Chapter 59 of The Wanderer or Female Difficulties. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wanderer or Female Difficulties by Fanny Burney. Chapter 59 Offended, Indignant, Escaped Yet Without Safety free yet without refuge juliet hurried into the noble mansion with no view but to find an immediate hiding-place where unseen she might allow some vent to her wounded feelings and unmarked remain till the haughty party should be gone and she could seek some humble conveyance for her own return concluding her in haste for some commission of mrs ireton's the servants let her pass nearly unobserved and she soon came to a long gallery hung with genealogical tables of the arundel family and with various religious relics and historical curiosities believing herself alone and in a place of which the stillness suited her desire of solitude and concealment she had already shut the door before she saw her mistake what then was her astonishment what her emotion when she discerned seated and examining a part of the hangings at the further end of the gallery the gentle form of lady aurora granville sudden transport though mingled with a thousand apprehensions instantly converted every dread that could depress into every hope that could revive her a start evinced that she was seen she endeavoured to courtesy and would have advanced but the first moment over fear uncertainty and conflicting doubts took place of its joy and robbed her of force her dim eyes perceived not the smiling pleasure with which lady aurora had risen at her approach her breast heaved quick her heart swelled almost to suffocation and wholly disordered she leaned against the window frame cut in the immensely thick walls of the castle lady aurora now ran fleetly forward exclaiming in a voice of which the tender melody spoke the softness of her soul miss ellis my dear miss ellis have i indeed the happiness to meet with you again oh if you could know how i have desired have pined for it but are you ill you cannot be angry miss ellis sweet miss ellis can you ever have believed that it has been my fault that i have appeared so unkind so hard so cruel with a fullness of joy that in conquering doubt overpowered timidity juliet now with rapturous tears and resistless tenderness flung herself upon the neck of lady aurora whom she encircled with her arms and strained fondly to her bosom but the same vent that gave relief to internal oppression brought her to a sense of external impropriety she felt that it was rather her part to receive than to bestow such marks of affection she drew back and her cheeks were suffused with the most vivid scarlet when she observed the deep colour which dyed those of lady aurora at this action though evidently with the blushes of surprise not of pride ashamed and hanging her head juliet would have attempted some apology but lady aurora warmly returning her embrace cried how happy and how singular a chance that we should have fixed upon this day for visiting arundel castle we have been making a tour to the isle of wight and to portsmouth and we did not intend to go to brighthelmstone so that i had no hope none upon earth of such a felicity as that of seeing my dear miss ellis i need not i think say it was not i who formed our plan when i own that we had no design to visit brighthelmstone though i knew from lady barbara franklin's that miss ellis was there 
"'Alas, I fear,' answered Juliet. "'The design was to avoid Brighthelmstone, "'and to avoid it lest the blessing such as I now experience "'should fall to my lot. "'Ah, Lady Aurora, by the pleasure, the transport, rather, "'with which your sudden sight has made me appear to forget myself, "'judge my anguish, my desolation, "'to be banished from your society and banished as a criminal.' "'Lady Aurora shuddered and hid her face.' "'Oh, Miss Ellis,' she cried, "'what a word! Never may I hear it, so applied again, "'lest it should alienate me from those I ought to respect and esteem. "'And you so good, so excellent, would be sorry to see me estrange myself, "'even though it were, for your own sake, "'from those to whom I owe gratitude and attachment. "'I must try to shew my admiration of Miss Ellis "'in a manner that Miss Ellis herself will not condemn. "'It will not that by by speaking to her without any disguise, and will she not have the goodness to encourage me to do it? For the world I would not take a liberty with her. For the universe I would not hurt her. But if it were possible she could condescend to give, however slightly, however imperfectly, some little explanation to, to Mrs. Howell, Juliet here, with a strong expression of horror, interrupted her. Mrs. Howell? Oh, no, I cannot speak with Mrs. Howell. I had nearly said I can see Mrs. Howell no more. But happier days would soon subdue resentment. And, indeed, what I feel even now may more justly be called terror. Appearances have so cruelly misrepresented me that I have no right to be indignant nor even surprised that they should give rise to false judgments. I have no right to expect, in a second instance, unknown friendless, lonely as I am, a trusting angel, a Lady Aurora. The tears of Lady Aurora now flowed as fast as her own. If I have been so fortunate, she cried, as to inspire such sweet kindness in so noble a mind, even in the midst of its unhappiness, I shall always prize it as the greatest of honors, and try to use it so as to make me become better, that you may never wound me by retracting it, nor be wounded yourself by being ashamed of your partiality. With difficulty, Juliet now forbore casting herself at the feet of Lady Aurora, the hem of whose garment she would have kissed with ecstasy had not her own pecuniary distresses, and the rank of her young friend made her recoil from what might have the semblance of flattery. She attempted not to speak, conscious of the inadequacy of all that she could utter for expressing what she felt. She left to the silent eloquence of her streaming, yet transport-glittering eyes, the happy task of demonstrating her gratitude and delight. With calmer, though extreme pleasure, Lady Aurora perceived the impression which she had made. See, she cried, again embracing her, see whether I trust in your kindness when I venture once more to renew my earnest request, my entreaty, my petition. Oh, Lady Aurora, who can resist you? Not I. I am vanquished. I will tell you all. I will unbosom myself to you entirely. No, my Miss Ellis, no, not to me. I will not even hear you. Have I not said so? And what should make me change? All I have been told by Lady Barbara Franklin of your exertions has but increased my admiration. All she has written of your sufferings, your disappointments, and the patient courage with which you have borne them has but more endeared you to my heart. No explanation can make you fairer, clearer, more perfect in my eyes. I take, indeed, the deepest interest in your welfare. 
but it is an interest that makes me proud to wait not curious to hear proud my miss ellis to shew my confidence my trust in your excellencies if therefore you will have the goodness to speak it must be to others not to me i should blush to be of the number of those who want documents certificates to love and honor you again juliet was speechless again all words seemed poor heartless unworthy to describe the sensibility of her soul at this touching proof of a tenderness so consonant to her wishes yet so far surpassing her dearest expectations she hung over her ingenuous young friend she sighed she even sobbed with unutterable delight while tears of rapture rolled down her glowing cheeks and while her eyes were lustrous with a radiance of felicity that no tears could dim charmed and encouraged lady aurora continued to those then who have not had the happiness to see you so justly who dwell only upon the singularity of your being so alone and so young oh how often have i told them that i was sure you as little knew as merited their evil constructions how often have i wished to write to you how certain have i felt that all your motives to concealment even the most respectable would yield to so urgent a necessity as that of clearing away every injurious surmise speak therefore my miss ellis though not to me even from them, when you have trusted them, I will hear nothing till the time of your secrecy is over, that I may give them an example of the discretion they must observe with others. Yet speak, have the goodness to speak, that everybody, my uncle Denmeath himself, in even Mrs. Howell, may acknowledge and respect your excellencies and your virtues as I do. And then, my Miss Ellis, who shall prevent, who will even desire to prevent my shewing to the whole world my sense of your worth, and my pride in your friendship? The struggles that now heaved the breast of Juliet were nearly too potent for her strength. She gasped for breath, she held her hand to her heart, and when, at length, the kind caresses and gentle pleadings of Lady Aurora brought back her speech, she painfully pronounced, Shall I repay goodness so exquisite by feeling with regret the sweet mind that intends me only honor and consolation? Must the charm of such unexpected kindness, even while it penetrates my heart with almost piercing delight, entail from its resistless persuasion a misery upon the rest of my days, that may render them a burthen from which I may hourly sigh, nay pray, to be delivered? seized with horror and astonishment lady aurora exclaimed oh heaven no i must be a monster if i would not rather die immediately die than cause you any evil miss ellis my dear miss ellis forget i have made such a request and forgive my indiscretion with all your misfortunes miss ellis all your so undeserved griefs you are quite a stranger to sorrow compared to that which i should experience if through me through my means you should be exposed to any fresh injury angelic goodness cried juliet deeply affected i blush i blush to hear you without casting myself entirely into your power without making you immediate arbitress of my fate yet since you demand not my confidence for your own satisfaction can i know that to spread it beyond yourself your generous self might involve me in instantaneous earthly destruction and voluntarily suffer your very benevolence to become its instrument 
with regard to lord denmeath your uncle i must say nothing but with regard to mrs howell let me conjure your ladyship to consent to my utterly avoiding her that i may escape the dreadful accusations and reproaches that my cruel situation forbids me to repel i have no words to paint the terrible impression she has left upon my mind all that i have borne from others is short of what i have suffered from that lady the debasing suspicions of mrs maple the taunting tyranny of mrs ireton though they make me blush to owe or rather to earn from them the subsistence without which i know not how to exist have yet never smote so rudely and so acutely to my inmost heart as the attack i endured from mrs howell they rob me indeed of comfort of rest and of liberty but they do not sever me from lady aurora alas my miss ellis and i have too joined in the general persecution against such afflicted innocence i feel myself the most unpardonable of all not to have a quiest without one ungenerous question or even conjecture and full reliance upon the right and the necessity of your silence i ought to have foreseen that if it were not improper you should comply your own noble way of thinking would have made all entreaty as useless as it has been impertinent yet when prejudice alone parts us how could i help trying to overcome it and even my brother though he would forfeit i believe his life in your defence and though he says he is sure you are all purity and virtue and though he thinks that there is nothing upon earth that can be compared with you even he has been brought to agree to the cruel resolution that i should defer knitting myself closer to my miss ellis till she is able to have the goodness to let us know she stopped alarmed for the cheeks of juliet were suddenly dyed with the deepest crimson though the transient tint faded away as she pronounced lord melbury even lord melbury and they became pale as death while in a faint voice and with stifled emotion she added he is right he acts as a brother and as a brother to a sister whom he can never sufficiently appreciate and yet the more i esteem his circumspension the more deeply i must be wounded that calumny that mystery that dire circumstance should make me seem dangerous where otherwise unable longer to constrain her feelings she sunk upon a seat and wept oh miss ellis what have i done cried lady aurora how have i been so barbarous so inconsiderate so unwise if my poor brother had caused you this pain how should i have blamed him and how grievously would he have repented how severely then ought i to be reproached i who have done it myself without his generous precipitancy of temper to palliate such wants of reflection the sudden entrance of selina here interrupted the conversation she came tripping forward to acquaint lady aurora that the party had just discerned a magnificent vessel and that everybody said if her ladyship did not come directly it would be sailed away at sight of juliet she ran to embrace her with the warmest expressions of friendship unchecked by a coldness which she did not observe though now from the dissatisfaction excited by so unseasonable an intrusion it was far more marked than while it had been under the qualifying influence of contempt but when she found that neither caresses nor kind words can make her share with lady aurora even for a moment the attention of juliet she became a little confused and drawing her apart asked what was the matter 
consciously without waiting for any answer running into a string of simple apologies for not speaking to her in public which she should always she said do with the greatest pleasure for she thought her the most agreeable person in the whole world if it were not that nobody knowing her it would look so odd all answer save a smile half disdainful half pitying was precluded by the appearance of the Aramides, Mrs. Ireton, and Miss Brinville, who announced to Lady Aurora that the ship was already out of sight. Upon perceiving Juliet, they were nearly as much embarrassed as herself, for though she instantly retreated, it was evident that she had been sitting by the side of Lady Aurora in close and amicable conference. An awkward general silence ensued, when Juliet, hearing other footsteps, was moving off, but Lady Aurora, following and holding out her hands, affectionately said, "'Are you going, Miss Ellis? Must you go, and will you not bid me adieu?' Touched to the soul at this public mark of kindness, Juliet was gratefully returning, when the voice of Lord Melbury spoke his near approach. Trembling and changing color, her folded hands demanded excuse of Lady Aurora for precipitate yet reluctant flight but she had still found neither time nor means to escape when lord melbury who was playing with young ladard entered the gallery saying aurora your genealogical studies have lost you a most beautiful sea-view the boy spying juliet whom he was more than ever eager to join when he saw that she strove to avoid notice darted from his lordship calling out ellis ellis look look here's ellis Lord Melbury, with an air of the most animated surprise and delight, darted forward also, exclaiming, "'Miss Ellis, how unexpected a pleasure! The moment I saw Mrs. Ireton, I had some hopes I might see also Miss Ellis, but I had already given it up as delusory.' Again the fallen countenance of Juliet brightened into sparkling beauty the idea that even lord melbury had been infected by the opinions which had been circulated to her disadvantage had wounded had stung her to the quick but to find that notwithstanding he had been prevailed upon to acquiesce that his sister while so much mystery remained should keep personally aloof his own sentiments of esteem remained unshaken and to find it by so open and so prompt a testimony of respect and regard displayed before the very witnesses who had sought to destroy or invalidate every impression that might be made in her favor, was a relief the most exquisitely welcome to her disturbed and fearful mind. Eager and rapid inquiries concerning her health, uttered with the ardor of juvenile vivacity, succeeded this first address. The party standing by looked astonished, even abashed, while the face of Lady Aurora recovered with wonted expression of sweet serenity mrs ireton now was seized with a desire the most violent to repossess a protege whose history and situation deemed daily to grow more wonderful with a courtesy therefore as foreign from her usual manners as from her real feelings she said miss ellis i am sure will have the goodness to help me home with my two little companions i am sure of that she cannot be so unkind as to leave the poor little things in the lurch indignant as juliet had felt at the treatment which she had received resentment at this moment found no place in her mind she was beginning therefore a civil however decided excuse when mrs ireton suspicious of her purpose flung herself languishingly upon a seat and complained that she was seized with such an immoderate pain in her side that if somebody would not take care of the two little souls she would arrive at brighthelmstone a corpse 
The Aromides, Miss Brinville, and Selina all declared that it was impossible to refuse so essential a service to a health so delicate. The fear, now, of a second public scene, with the dread lest Lord Melbury might be excited to speak or act in her favour, forced the judgment of Juliet to conquer her inclination, in leading her to defer the so often given dismission, till her return to Brighthelmstone she acceded, therefore, though with cruel unwillingness, to what was required. Mrs. Ireton instantly recovered, and with the more alacrity from observing that Lady Barbara Franklin joined the group at this moment of victory. "'Take the trouble, then, if you please, ma'am,' she replied in her usual tone of irony. "'If it will not be too great a condescension, take the trouble to carry Bijou to the coach, and bid Simon keep him safe while you come back, if it is not asking quite too great a favour, for Mr. Ladard, and pray bring my wrapping cloak with you, ma'am. You'll be so good.' I hope as to excuse all these liberties. I hope so, at least. I flatter myself you'll excuse them, and, if the cloak should be heavy, I dare say Simon will give you his arm. Simon is a man of gallantry, I make no doubt. Not that I pretend to know, but I take it for granted he is a man of gallantry. Juliet looked down, repentant to have placed herself, even for another moment, in a power so merciless. Lord Melbury and Lady Aurora, each hurt and indignant, advanced, uttering kind speeches, while Lady Barbara, still younger and more unguarded, seizing the little dog, exclaimed, "'No, I'll carry Bijou myself, Mrs. Ireton. Poor Miss Ellis looks so tired. I'll take care of him all the way to Brighthelmstone myself. Dear, pretty little creature!' Then, skipping behind Lady Aurora, "'Nasty whelp,' she whispered, "'how I'll pinch him for being such a plague to that sweet Miss Ellis. Perhaps that will mend him.' The satisfaction of Lady Aurora at this trait glistened in her soft eyes, while Lord Melbury, enchanted, caught the hands of the spirited little lady and pressed it to his lips. Though, ashamed of his own vivacity, he let it go before she had time to withdraw it. She colored deeply, but visibly with no unpleasant sensation, and, grasping the little dog, hid her blushes by uttering a precipitate farewell upon the bosom of Lady Aurora, who smilingly, though tenderly, kissed her forehead. An idea that teemed with joy and happiness rose high in the breast of Juliet, as she looked from Lord Melbury to Lady Barbara. Ah, there, indeed, she thought, Felicity might find a residence, there, in the rare union of equal worth, equal attractions, sympathizing feelings, and similar condition. And I, too, cried Lord Melbury, must have the honor to make myself of some use. If Mrs. Ireton, therefore, will trust Mr. Ladard to my care, I will convey him safely to Brighthelmstone and overtake my sister in the evening, and by this means we shall lighten the fatigue of Mrs. Ireton without increasing that of Miss Ellis. He then took the little boy in his arms, playfully dancing him before the little dog and those of Lady Barbara. The heart of Juliet panted to give utterance to the warm acknowledgments with which it was fondly beating, but mingled fear and discretion forced her to silence. All the evil tendencies of malice, envy, and ill-will pent up in the breast of Mrs. Ireton now struggled irresistibly for vent. Yet to insist that Juliet should take change of Mr. Lodard, for whom Lord Melbury had offered his services, or even to force upon her the care of the little dog, since Lady Barbara had proposed carrying him herself, appeared no longer to exhibit dependency. 
Mrs. Ireton, therefore, found it expedient to be again taken ill. And after a little fretful moaning, I feel quite shaken, she cried, quite in a tremor. My feet are absolutely numbed. Do get me my furred clogs, Miss Ellis, if I may venture to ask such a favor. I would not be troublesome, but you will probably find them in the carriage. Though perhaps I have left them in the hall, you will have the condescension to help the coachman and Simon to make a search, and then pray run back, if it won't fatigue you too much, and tie them on for me. If Juliet now colored, at least it was not singly, the cheeks of Lady Aurora, of Lady Barbara, and of Lord Melberley were equally crimsoned. "'Let me, Mrs. Ireton,' eagerly cried Lord Melbury, "'have the honour to be Miss Ellis's deputy.' "'No, my lord,' said Juliet, with spirit, "'grateful and proud as I should feel "'to be honoured with your lordship's assistance. "'It must not be in a business that does not belong to me. "'I will deliver the orders to Simon, "'and as Mrs. Ireton is now relieved "'from her anxiety concerning Mr. Lodard, "'I beg permission once more, and finally, to take my leave.' Gravely then curtsying to Mrs. Ireton, and bowing her head with an expression of the most touching sensibility to her three young supporters, she quitted the gallery. End of chapter 59